I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The Joycast. Welcome back. I don't know how you have been feeling these last few months as we're peaking towards spring, but man, if there was a time that we needed to lighten our load when it comes to anxiety, it is now. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to Emily Lex. In Freely and Lightly, she offers a collection of essays intertwined with some gorgeous watercolor art and takes us on a faith journey, including the year she painted a picture every single day and her family's 107-day cross-country road trip with a silver Airstream. Now, from the outside, Lex will tell you that she appears to have it all, a supportive husband, four healthy kids, a pretty house with a manicured lawn, and lots of friends. She belonged to a growing church and had a successful business with creative endeavors. But on the inside, Lex shares that there was an identity crisis brewing, leading her down a path of burnout and unhappiness. Can anyone relate? She says, I looked collected and calm, but underneath, I was wounded and could no longer hold it together. I had turned into a self-deprecating control freak who was desperate for attention and afraid of failing. I had forgotten who I truly was, and I was hurting the people I loved the most along the way. Lex, who has been featured on HGTV and in Better Homes and Gardens, as well as the Magnolia Journal, reveals how God offers a better way to live, exchanging insecurity for quiet confidence and anxiety for peace. So I can't wait for you to pull up a chair and experience freely and lightly this gorgeous new book by Emily Lex. We're grateful today for our sponsor, Harvest House Publishers. You can find them online with incredible gift books and wonderful gifts everywhere you shop. Emily, it is such a joy to have you on the Joycast. Thank you. I love that we get to talk today. (laughs) Me too. And one of the reasons I'm so excited is that this that we're going to talk about today is your first book. It's my first book. I know. I have four kids and then now this one. It's like my fifth baby. (laughs) (laughs) That is said so beautifully. (laughs) And tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, and kind of how you came to this point. Sure. Uh, I mean, such a big question, right? Let's see. Um, I was a blogger for about 10 years before this, did a lot of like lifestyle. I don't know that I was necessarily in mommy blogging, but I have four kids. My oldest will be 17 in a couple days, and then my youngest is 11. So I feel like the first years of motherhood, I spent a lot of it online connecting with people and using my creativity that way, which was amazing. Um, And then I just, in about my, uh, mid thirties, just started to ask a lot of questions like, who am I? And I have amassed this life for myself that is so good, but I'm still like not satisfied inside. And what is going on with me? Um, I was, I've been a believer all my life and really like genuinely following Jesus. 
But what I sort of say is that I was saved, but I wasn't free. And so for about five years, I just went through this like pretty deep, really personal, pretty quiet um, journey of trying to understand who am I and who is God and what is what is life? Like, what are, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And how is that supposed to be? Um, and so during that time, I was blogging a little bit. And then it just came to a point where it just felt like God was saying, hey, it's t- you need to close this down. It's time to close it down, which is really hard after 10 years of doing something. And it was our family's main income. Um, but it just felt like the, the way to be obedient. And then uh, a kind of cool experience happened where I felt like the Lord was saying, Hey, it's time to write this story down. And that same morning I got an email from an editor at my current publisher who said, Hey, is it time for you to write yet? <laughs> We're like, yep, it sure is. So that is how this book came to be. And it's just been very interesting and amazing. And what a cool thing to be able to tell this story in a really public way that I hope will be really encouraging to other women, especially who just find themselves like, who, what is my identity and why am I so insecure? <laughs> what is going on? Absolutely. Now, for those who haven't been to Emily Lex's website, I mean, you have, you have just, it is like this hub of joy for all people created. I mean, what you've done through the simplified watercolor, the watercolor for kids, uh, simplified penmanship is you've put together courses, you've put together books. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I just think creativity is the way that I worship. And so I love to encourage that in other people. And so I do, I teach a couple of online watercolor classes. Um, I'm just over the last maybe couple of years, finally just like held that thing of like, okay, I am an artist. For some reason, I think kids, kids all call themselves artists. That's not a big deal. But as adults, I think we like walk away from thinking of ourselves as artists. And so this is me like declaring, no, you know what? God made me an artist. And the the way that I can best use my gifts is to be an artist and sh- to share that. So I do a lot of watercolor and artwork. Um, and I do, I love these teaching the classes online is super fun. And we have a couple of products. My, I love that you see joy because gosh, that is my like ultimate goal is just to like, I want to offer encouragement and delight through artwork and products and classes and the words that I speak. So thank you for calling that out and saying that about it. Uh, One of the things that I also noticed is just the sense, you know, you tapped on that thing of having worship and creativity. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of the men and women who are listening, there is a sense of like, you know, well, I do my home project. I do my knitting. I do my painting. I do my sculpting. I do my whatever that may be, but, but don't think that of it as an act of worship. How would you challenge those? Who who say? But I love being creative. But I just God doesn't uh, always like. It's not a Bible study. It's not prayer. It's not. How would you respond? Yeah, I I think I think it's this. Like I'm I'm still learning this, of course, in my own life. But it's just trying to understand that God is in our everyday, and that we like our life is not just about going to church or listening to a podcast, you know, and growing our faith, but it's like, what are, what are the like everyday things that we're doing? And if God has, if he is good and he tells us what, who our identity is, that we are good and worthy and valuable, then now what I get to do is I get to just rest in that. And, and my response is to live my life in the, in the particular ways that he's made me 
as an offering to the world. Like that is how I can serve the world, how I can give of myself to the world freely because I'm not looking to the world to tell me who I am. I already know that. So now I get to just use who he's made me to bring joy to other people or to bring joy to myself. Sometimes it's like, sometimes I just paint and it just is like, thank you God for making beauty. Like beauty is how I understand God's goodness. And, um, and we just get to participate in that. And that just feels like an act of, of bringing him glory, which is worship. Can that be done through knitting? I just, I think, I think it can. I think it's just, that's the order of, of the stitches I think can just reveal like, Oh God is so orderly. This is such an, a beautiful picture of who he is also, which I don't know, maybe that, maybe that sounds crazy, but I just think as we train our eyes and our hearts to think that way, it's really faith building. And I think that it's something that isn't always celebrated in the church or among believers as much as it should be. I think of the Psalm 27, you know, one thing I would ask that I would behold the beauty of the Lord, you know, and, and that imagery in Revelation as well, where all of a sudden the curtain is peeled back and time and time again, amidst the darkness and struggle, we get this glimpses of a throne room with color and hue and sound and scent that is beyond description. And there's something that recognizing, I think, that beauty and giving God thanks thanks through acts of creativity is just, it, it is so joyful. I often say that when I write, I feel the holy hum of God's presence. That's beautiful. I remember listening to um, a pastor talk about how he could eat a steak and he loved that steak. But he, and but the work that you have to do as a believer is to say, this steak is awesome, and then move your worship to God who created that. Instead of worshiping the stake, you're moving it beyond that. And so I think a lot of times where I get tripped up for sure is like, I love a really beautiful home, but why do I love a beautiful home? Is it just because I want other people to be impressed with my beautiful home or that I want to be impressed with my beautiful home? Is it serving me or is there something that it can, like, what is the main purpose of that? And how can I move my worship beyond just the thing, but in, into who God is? is and what that represents about him. Yeah. And, and expanding our focus as well beyond the one thing. I know often when my husband and I Leif, sit down to eat, there is this prayer and he prays it a lot. He says, God, you know, just thank you. Thank you for the people who planted the soil, who produced this produce, who, who, you know, butchered the cow, who, who drove the trucks, who, I mean, there's just so, this is not just a one magical thing that appeared out of the sky, but to give thanks also for just everyone who has been involved, the work they has, have, has been done and to acknowledge that. I think, again, what you're saying is it expands our capacity for worship and thankfulness. Yeah. That is not just self-focused. It's not just about about me. <laughs> I think that that's, it's like, let's, let's make our heads go a little beyond just what is it? What is this for me? Um, and see that there's something bigger and, and more beautiful here. I noticed um, one of the things that you talk about is how a, a family cross country road trip <laughs> actually became a turning point for you. Tell us about that. Okay. So my husband is really fun and cool. And he had this idea. Let's take our family away from like our normal suburban life and let's go like have an adventure. And I'm, you know, very normal. I like normal things. And so I was very resistant to this idea uh, until finally, I think it was just sort of at the beginning stages of this journey for me of, of kind of understanding identity and who I am and why am I dissatisfied? And so I said, yes, let's do it. So, um, 
in 2016, we pulled our kids out of school and we bought an Airstream and packed up very few items and and traveled. Uh, we live in Seattle, so we started kind of down the West Coast and went around the perimeter, basically, of the country, a little bit in the inside. But um, And we spent four months on the road living out of a trailer and seeing just everything that we could imagine seeing in the country. Um, and just beyond the fact that it's like, that's an incredible experience. And, and the United States is such an amazing, uh, diverse place to be able to see everything. A huge part of it for us was we were in a lifestyle that I think many people our age and with our kids age is just, we were really busy with a lot. We lived in a neighborhood. And so we always had neighborhood friends over and we were doing social things and we we were vacationing with other friends and family, and we were never just the six of us, ever. Like, it just was so rare. It was just the six of us. And I think it was as the same time that I was trying to figure out what my own personal identity was, I think this was a chance for us to figure out who are we as a family? What is our family identity? What is God calling to us, us to as a family? Um, it allowed us to be so present with our kids. Our oldest was in sixth grade and had a million faith questions that kids, you know, when they're 12 years old, they do. And we got to just be with him every night in our little tiny trailer and have these deep faith conversations. And I just can imagine that if we were at home, he would be thinking those things in our head, or or maybe he wouldn't even have the, the slowness to be able to think the questions. Um, but it gave us this opportunity to be able to do that together as a family. And I, I could probably name each of those things for each of the kids. And then for me and my husband, it just like removing all of the distraction of our life, um, really simplifying and being together. It just was very, I mean, it exposed a lot of things that, especially in our marriage, like exposed areas that we really were not very healthy and we had to deal with it because it was like, it was just the two of us. Can you get specific on that? It has been a year of, you know, confronting hard things. We are both really bad decision makers. We're not fast decision makers. We are analyzers. And so as we traveled and we had to make a million decisions, he wanted to please me. I wanted to please him. Neither of us would make a decision. And it just got us into this like spiral of like, I'm just trying to please you. And he's like, I'm just trying to please you. And then we're like, neither of us are actually pleasing either one. Like we're just frustrated at each other. And so just learning to, to say what we wanted and to know what we wanted when you're just busy going through life. And we had four little kids and we just were going, I think there were some deep fears and narratives, especially that I was holding about what my own husband thought of me, which he didn't really think these things, but I just had them in my head that um, that I had to prove myself to him, that he was still like, maybe not quite sure if he really loved me or not, which is not true, but I had that in my head. And so I think sitting face to face with him, having to be like, I just don't know if I trust you. I don't know if you actually love me for who I am. And to, to say that, um, with nowhere to hide because there was nowhere to go. I didn't have, even have a car, so you can't escape it. It just forced us to have the conversations that I think were so easy to avoid with a normal life. So what about for our listeners? Um, your book is 
gorgeous, freely and lightly. And, and all my listeners know that we love to just kick, kiss practical on the face. What does it look like for those who are listening right, right now, both men and women who, you know, are, are caught in that and they say, you know, what, I don't have the luxury of pulling out and climbing in a truck and going with my family. Like how do they begin walking and living more freely and lightly? I think a really big part of it is paying attention. And the road trip for us, I think, was just a chance to take a deep breath and and kind of like get away from normal life. I feel like COVID um, and and the stay home stuff has also been an opportunity for people to be like, wait a second, what am I actually doing in my life? And I'm no longer super busy. So hopefully we're at the tail end of it now, but hopefully over the last year, there's been a little bit of that revealing of, of some unhealth maybe. And so then I think the really practical thing is to not push that away, but to listen to it and to pay attention and to say like, Oh, this, um, you know, the, the busyness that we have had in our lives is just a little symptom of me trying to fill myself up with something. So I, I work a lot in my own life on what are my insecurities and why are those there? So if I'm feeling, um, really insecure, just this last week, I felt really insecure about like, what is this work that I'm doing and why are my words really important? And there's so many other people who are better at it than me. And I have to pay attention to that. I have to be like, Oh no, that's actually a real insecurity. And now if I write that down and say, okay, here's, here's what I'm feeling. What is the actual truth of that? Here's another example. I have really pale skin and I'm insecure about my pale skin because in this culture, tan skin is what's beautiful. (laughs) And it's such a silly thing. But when I, if I were to write that out, like, I think my pale skin is really bad. What I've learned is that pale skin, having pale skin is a fact. And the truth is that pale skin doesn't tell me who I am. And that the beauty that we assign to it is just a made up thing. And it's a cultural thing. And the actual truth is that God made me and he loves me. And so it's being able to distinguish between what's going on in your head. What are the narratives and the stories that maybe are a fact, or maybe they're just bad thinking, identify what those are, and then, and then weigh them against what is actually true. Um, I think that that is what Paul says when he says that you need to take every thought captive and you need to renew your mind. I think that is what the life of spiritual formation looks like is taking those thoughts captive, paying attention to them, and then testing them. Are they true or are they not true? And what is our basis of truth? And if the basis of truth is that God is good and he made us and loves us um and and we are valuable because of Christ, then we can we can now look at those insecurities with a lens that that is just clearer. You know, that is, that's not like rattled with all of our own ugliness. I could not agree more. Uh, the listeners who have read More Power to You know exactly that idea of taking every thought captive is so key. One of the things that you talk about in your book, um, it, freely and lightly, is this idea of a 40 by 40 list. Tell us. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things, I, I think that when I was going through this journey, part of it for me was getting to know who I am a little bit more. Um, and then from there, then I also had to get to know who is God actually, what is his character? So the the 40 by 40 list was kind of in the phase of, of just learning who am I and appreciating who I am. And so before I turned 40, I just was in this place of like, what do I like? What, who am I? And so the list was 40 things that I wanted to do before I turned 40. And 
And my criteria for it was just, these are things that just feel meaningful to me. These are not business related. These aren't really goal related. They're just, what are things that would make me feel alive? What are little areas that would just bring joy to my life? Um, And so there are funny things that are on there. Like I wanted to learn how to um, bake sourdough bread and I wanted to become, I wanted to wear earrings. Like I just had gotten out of the habit of wearing jewelry. So like, I don't maybe think I want to wear, be a earring wearer. (laughs) Um, I wanted to, let's see, I wanted to travel to Nashville, which we did. Um, So little, you know, I think some people call them like bucket list items, but they weren't they weren't huge, big things. They were just little things that I thought in this year before I turned 40, what would just bring delight to my life? Um, And it was really effective because I think it just gave me like a benchmark of things to pay attention to, things to incorporate into my life, things that I needed to not, um, I needed to not forget the special ways that God made me and to appreciate those things and then do a little bit more of it. Uh, and I think at the end of it, it was super interesting to see the, the things that stuck and the things that like, I just never got to. And, oh, maybe one of, one of those was I really wanted to do intentional dates with each of the kids. Like I really, you know, I want to, but they were like big things in my head. Like I want to go to a hotel for the weekend just with Audrey or, and I want to take Brady who really loves musicals. I want to take him to the Paramount in Seattle and take him to a show. And over the course of the year, I think I did zero of those things with any of the kids. <laughs> and so then realizing, but the heart behind that is I just want to make sure that I'm available and I'm a good mom. And I am. And so then looking back over that year and being like, well, I didn't take him to a musical at the Paramount, but I showed up for his football games and I cheered for him. And I said goodnight to the kids each night before bed. And like just remembering I can have these big lofty things that I think is who I want to be. And then give myself grace to be, well, the heart behind that is that I just want to be a really good intentional mom. And I am. So that was, um, it was just such a good practice. It was like a very practical, really helpful way for me to pay attention to who I am and what I want in my life. So good. So good. So for people who want to learn more about you, where should they go? Um, Everything is at emilylex.com. And then I do hang out on Instagram and my Instagram is emilylexstudio. Um, I share lots of art and just my life, which is hopefully encouraging to people. (laughs) Friends, you need to follow her. Her artwork is gorgeous. The watercolors, the pictures, they are fantastic. And so is her new book, Freely and Lightly. And how many of us need to feel a little bit more free and a little bit more light this year? Emily, thank you so much for being on the Joycast. You're welcome. Thank you, Margaret. Margaret.